Shalom. This is Reverend John Ferret, and welcome to part two of lesson five in the podcast series, The Gospel According to Moses, Exodus, which is a Bible study series for Christians on the Torah. And Torah is a word that commonly means the first five books of the Bible, especially among Jewish people. In part one of this series, we talked about the Associates for Biblical Research, and the reason why I did that was you would have, so you would have access to the many resources available at their website, biblical or biblearchaeology.org, biblearchaeology, one word, .org. I suggested a number of the videos that are available and many, many more resources because the work is done on the archaeology that supports the Exodus and that supports the date of 1446 B.C. Now, what we're going to do in this lesson is try to determine where this date, 1446 B.C., comes from. There's another one. I believe it's in Exodus 12 where it says, and so the Israelites from the day uh, they basically entered Egypt were there for 430 years and they left on the very day at the end of 430 years. Where did the 430 come from? We've got to take a look at this. Now what we're going to be taking a look at again, you guys, is not patterns of evidence. We're not going to be taking a look at hints of evidence. We're going to be taking a look at real archaeology, credible archaeology, not somebody's opinion, not somebody's theory, to show that, that the date of 1446 B.C. is so strong and so powerful. And then as we take that dating, even all the way back to the days of Joseph and Abraham, we take a look at the history outside of the Bible, how it supports the Bible. So again, as you're listening to this series, there are some tools that are available at the website that I've linked you to, www.lightofmenorah.com, or .org, www.lightofmenorah.org. Menorah, again, is spelled M-E-N-O-R-A-H. And if you print these tools um, and have them available while you're listening to session two, it may be very helpful to grasp the dating because we're going to be talking about a lot of numbers, a lot of numbers, and a lot of dates. And I've tried to uh, do it as best as I could so that I'm not talking fast, but talking at a reasonable pace that you'll be able to understand. So, ready? You're ready to go into real archaeology to take a look at the date of 1446 B.C., the date of the Exodus when Israel, led by Moses, left Egypt, that this is a highly credible and a very likely real date of the Exodus. Are you ready? Come on. Let's go.
So in this lesson, we're going to deal with biblical dating. This is a complex lesson. The date's 1446 B.C., the date of the Exodus, the date of 2091, 2091 B.C., for Abraham entering Canaan at Shechem. So we're going to see how real Bible history, geography, and archaeology supports these dates. Now, in this lesson, in the lesson description that you can find at the website, www.lightamenorah.org, and again, Light of Menorah is all one word. Menorah is spelled M-E-N-O-R-A-H. I've supplied a number of links. These are key resources so that you can go into the study of the biblical dating even deeper. So, let's go. Now, this is probably one lesson where you may want to have a pencil and a paper handy just to take down the dating as we proceed through it so that you can follow along in the lesson. So ready? Come on. Let's begin this awesome lesson. How do they say that the early date of Exodus, or the date of Exodus, is 1446 B.C.? Well, you're going to learn it tonight. So I'm going to start with that tonight. We'll get to the Torah. But I think this is so critical. Now, there was a, there, and I have to say there was, a biblical archaeologist by the name of Edwin Thiele, T-H-I-E-L-E. He's very famous for a book that he wrote called The Mysterious Numbers of the Hebrew Kings. We'll come back to him later, okay, uh, in terms of that book. But in his studies, he was studying the ancient Assyrian calendar. And in his studies of the ancient Assyrian calendar, he came up uh, and found something. And it so happens the Assyrian calendar has a very specific date for a certain eclipse. And we already know the eclipse. The eclipse happened. Uh, let's see if I've got the date here. Um, yeah, the eclipse happened on June 15, 763 B.C. So he saw that the Assyrian calendar, those Assyrians, fixed that date. So what he started doing is he started checking the Assyrian king list. And what he was able to do is go back a number of years before the eclipse and a number of years after the eclipse to actually um, get some dating. But he said, all right, that's the Assyrian calendar. And my question, to, as he would say, is it accurate? So I'm reading from an article uh, about Edmund uh, Thilly. It's from, matter of fact, I'll just give the website here. It's www.wayhome.org, W-A-Y-H-O-M-E, wayhome.org, backslash, dating Old Testament history, all one word, dating Old Testament history, dot, and then the dot HTML. So in here, this scholar is writing about Thilly and the story. So Thilly says, I got to double check the accuracy of the Assyrian calendar. 
So he goes back to the canon of Ptolemy. Ptolemy uh, wrote his canon, whoever he is, in, uh, from 70 to 161 AD, and it was called uh, Almagest. And what was interesting, he compared what Ptolemy wrote, okay, in the year 70 to 161 AD, and he compared the dating in there with the Assyrian calendar and found it to be 100% correct. Now, this is amazing, because he said, wait a minute, can I find a synchronization, therefore, okay, between the Assyrian calendar and the, the, uh, the dating in the Bible? So he goes through, because what happens is this, he was able to establish the chronology of the Assyrian kings from the Ptolemy uh, canon, and verified it from 891 B.C. to 648 B.C. Okay? So he said, okay, um, now that I've got that, an amazing archaeological find was found, not necessarily at the same time, but this archaeological find, I want to get the correct name of the find. Let me see if I can find it here. Yes, it's called the Kirk, K-U-R-K, Stella, S-T-E-L-E. A Stella is a stone that's got writing on it. Okay, so therefore our grave markers today would be a, 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 a Stella, a Stella, okay. They found this, and it was from Shalmanauser III. Now, Shalmanauser III wrote an article on the Stella, and he talked about the fact of the Battle of Karkar. And the dating for the Battle of Karkar is on the Assyrian calendar. And the Battle of Karkar is dated on the Assyrian calendar, which is now ver- verified at 100% correct at 853 BC. Now, in the article that Shalmanazar himself wrote, Shalmanazar III, he mentioned all the kings that he fought against. And there was one king in particular that he was fighting against, Ahab. And it just so happens that based upon historical evidence, Ahab died the same year he was in the Battle of Karkar. He did not die in the Battle of Karkar. That happens later. Because what happens is he was able to, let's see here, um, yeah, he was able to date the Battle of Karkar to 853 BC, and he was also able to figure that Ahab died in the same year. One of the reasons why is the Assyrian king also received tribute from King Jehu in the Assyrians' 18th year. So now that he knew that he got tribute from Jehu in the 18th year, he could work backwards to find out the date of Ahab's death. Got it? Okay. So, with regards to this, he started working backwards from Ahab all the way down to Solomon. Now, I'm not going to do that for you. That's not part of this class. I'm just trying to establish some dating and where it comes from. This comes from real archaeology. And it so happens that we come up with a Bible verse, and the Bible verse happens to be 1 Kings 6.1. Okay? And you can actually work your way backwards. However, you also need to read his book, The Mysterious Numbers of the Hebrew Kings. Because the numbers of the Hebrew kings and the length of their, their reign okay, are very mysterious in terms of to try to understand them. Because one of the things that he found was the way the kings in Judah numbered the years of their reign was different than the way the kings of Israel, the northern ten tribes, numbered their years. 
And now you need to get the synchronization on that. And Philly goes through that to actually prove how it's done. A whole book. This is not easy stuff. Okay. Anyway, he finally comes at the 1 Kings 6.1, and this is what you read. Now it came about in the 480th year after the sons of Israel came out of the land of Egypt, in the fourth year of Solomon's reign over Israel, in the months of Tziv, which is the second month that he began to build the house of the Lord. Okay. Working back from Ahab, we know what year Solomon becomes king, and the fourth year of his reign is 966 B.C. This is right based upon the Assyrian calendar. This is amazing. But wait a minute. 966 B.C., okay, is the fourth year of his reign, and it's 480 years after the sons of Israel left Egypt. Oh my gosh. If you take 966 and add 480, you come up with 1446 B.C. And that's where the number comes from. It's Bible verses and real archaeology. Okay? Now, it's interesting because there's another Bible verse in Exodus 12. In that verse, Exodus 12, 40 through 41, it says, Now that the, now the time that the sons of Israel lived in Egypt was 430 years. By the way, the sons of Israel, there's a way you can take the word Israel out and put another name in. Jacob. Jacob is named Israel. Now the time the sons of Israel lived in Egypt was 430 years. At the end of the 430 years to the very day, all the hosts of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. So this is in the Torah. This gets important because we're going to be dealing with this over and over and over again. So we come to this, that if it's 1446 B.C. when they left Egypt, and the Bible, the Torah says that they were there for 430 years living it doesn't say they were slaves, does it? Part of that time, they're in slavery. Because Joseph, second in command of Egypt, okay, when Israel, Jacob, comes for the first time, right? It was good for a number of years. How many, we don't know. But probably for maybe even a hundred years after that. So in 1446 B.C. they leave, but they were there for 430 years. So when does Jacob arrive in Egypt? 1876 B.C. Because you take 1446 and you have to add 430 because you're going back in time. So Jacob arrives there in 1876 B.C. And guess what? We know the name of the Pharaoh. This, for me, this, this is so exciting in terms of going back to understand the history of Egypt. Now... The next verse I want to share with you. Okay, he's there. He comes in 1876 B.C. Okay? Now in Genesis 47, 8-9, Pharaoh said to Jacob, How many years have you lived? Okay, so Jacob just arrives, and he's going to get Goshen, and he's meeting with Pharaoh. He wants to meet Joseph's dad. So he asks Jacob, and Jacob said to Pharaoh, The years of my sojourning are 130. Few and unpleasant have been the years of my life, nor have they attained the years that my fathers lived during the days of their sojourning. So Genesis 47, verses 8 and 9. So Jacob is 130 years old in 1876 B.C. Now remember, all of this dating is based upon one thing, the Assyrian calendar. <laughs> this is just so cool. Now, let me just stop there. 
Let's leave Jacob alone for a moment. Okay, there he arrived in Egypt. He's 130 years old and it's 1876 BC. Let's turn to Joseph, because there's Joseph. He's at there at the same time. When we actually study Joseph, and this will come back to us because we're studying Genesis now, we're going to find out that at Genesis 37, verse 2, we find out that the story of Joseph begins when he's 17. It says it. The Torah says he's 17 years old. Now, we know that things happen to Joseph. Okay, we won't go through the whole story, the prison, the baker, and all that type of stuff. He begins his work under Pharaoh, and this is in Genesis 41, 46. I won't read it for you right now, but in Genesis 41, 46, Joseph begins as the second in command of Egypt, and he's 30. It says he's 30 years old. Now, what I want to do is I want to get to Genesis 41, 53. And in Genesis 41, 53, he starts his work. He's 30 years old, right? And then it says in Genesis 41, 53, when the seven years of plenty, which had been in the land of Egypt, came to an end. Stop. How old is Joseph when the seven years of plenty come to an end? 37. Isn't this interesting? So now he's 37 years old. We continue reading, and we go to Genesis 45, 6. And in Genesis 45, 6, we read the following. Now, what happened is, we're getting towards the end. This is the last meeting, or the time, of the last meeting of Joseph and the brothers. This is when he you know, actually lets the brothers know who he is. Uh, and then they're going to go get back and get daddy. So this is that period. <coughs> so for the famine has been in the land these two years. Oh, he's 37 at the beginning of the famine. This is two years, so now we would say he's 39. Mm-hmm. Now what I'm going to do is I'm going to say 39 to 40. Hang on, I'm going to give you the next verse. I'll show you why. Okay, 39 through 40. So what happens is, He blesses his brothers and says, go back and get dad, right? So they go back and get dad. How long does that take? That's a long journey, you guys. Did it take a couple of months, a half a year? I don't know. For me, I'm going to give it a little bit of opening and say, it's got to be at least two months, maybe six Okay, and it could have been a whole year. So I'll say 39, and by the time Jacob arrives... Okay, he's probably 40. Jacob arrives, I'm going to go to 47.9. And in 47.9, so Jacob said to Pharaoh, the years of my sojourning are 130, and there, there it is. So Jacob's now there, and we know that that is the time when Joseph is 39 and probably now 40 years old when Jacob arrives. I go to Genesis 47.28. And in Genesis 47, 28, we read, Jacob lived in the land of Egypt 17 years and died. Oh, wait a minute. That's good. Because now, if Jacob dies, all right, and he arrived there in 1876 BC, and he lives there for 17 years, now, since you're going forward in time and you're at BC, you've got to subtract. So it's 1876 minus 17 is 1859 B.C. 
That's when Jacob dies. Now remember, what's the dating based upon? The Assyrian calendar, which is found to be 100% accurate. All of this. If the Assyrian calendar was found to be incorrect, which every archaeologist, Christian and non-Christian, Jewish and non-Jewish, I mean everybody, they agree. When you actually read the criticisms of Philly, they cannot come against the Assyrian calendar. This dating is, is absolutely amazing. Now, how old is Joseph when Jacob dies? Now, what we found is when Jacob, Israel, comes to Egypt, we found that Joseph was 39 to 40 years old, maybe closer to 40, maybe even 40 at that time, when Jacob arrives. Jacob lives 17 more years, and with regards to that, therefore Joseph is 57 years old when Jacob dies. Now let me expand upon that just a bit. So we have Joseph is 57 years old, Jacob died, Israel, the sons of Israel, had already been in Egypt for 17 years. That's important. Next, it says, as we go through those last chapters of Genesis, Joseph lives another 53 years. He dies at 110. And we find that when Jacob dies at 110, this is 280 years before Moses is born. When Moses is born and his life goes on, we realize that he leads the children of Israel out of Egypt when he's 80 years old. So, let's work backwards. Moses is 80 and he's born 280 years before Joseph dies, so 280 plus 80 is 360. However, we find that the children of Israel, the sons of Israel, had already lived in the land for 17 years, then Jacob dies, and another 53 years until Joseph dies, that's another 70 years. 70 plus 360 is 430 years. What's amazing about this is the verse in Exodus chapter 12, I think it's 1240, where it says that the sons of Israel had already been in Egypt for 430 years. And now, because of the Assyrian calendar, we just proved it. Because we went all the way back to Joseph's age, the age of Jacob when he comes. And we have this verified date that the sons of Israel had been in Egypt for 430 years because at the end of those 430 years, Moses was 80 and he leads them out of Egypt on the first Passover. Wow. Is this so cool or what? So now we know how old Joseph is. Now this is what gets fascinating. Now let me just stop here. On our Egypt tour... We're going to a place that um, I think tourists go to, I'm not sure. It's a place called Fayum. And Fayum is 
sort of um, south and more west of Cairo. So you go to the Giza pyramids and go to the Sahara, okay? And you place to a, come to a place called Fayum. Now Fayum has got, it's very strange. Uh, it's an archaeological find and it used to be a lake. And they think it used to be a reservoir. And they think they knew the pharaoh who built it. And actually created a canal from the Nile to the reservoir to preserve water. His name was Amenemhat. Amen, you could write down Amen, okay. Amen, Emhat, E-M-H-A-T, the second. Okay, hang on to this. What's fascinating is, if Joseph is 56 years old, and he's 56 at 1859 B.C., we now know the year he was born. The year he was born is 1915 B.C. 1915 B.C. Now what's fascinating, the reason why I want to bring up the Pharaoh at that time was Amenemhat II. And I just made a mistake. I just made a mistake. Amenemhat II was not the one that actually supposedly created the lake and the canal. It was the Pharaoh after him. Which was the Pharaoh when Joseph was 30. Did Joseph, under the orders of that Pharaoh, have him construct the lake and the canal to preserve water because the famine was coming? This is determined by one thing and one thing only. The Assyrian calendar. This is amazing, the connections, because now you're going to Egyptian archaeology. Now, so Joseph um, was born in 1950 BC, and this is right about the time, especially a little bit later, where it could very well be he's involved in that process. Now, it says that Joseph dies when he's 110. But see, we know he's 56 when his dad dies. So you'd say, okay, that's 53 years maybe 54 years or more. So he dies in about 1806 B.C. Now that's interesting, because 1806 B.C., and we'll get to this in a little bit, that's 280 years before Moses is born. 280 years. Fascinating. If Joseph dies, and there's 280 years to the birth of Moses, they were not in slavery for 400 years. It says they will be in a land and they will be slaves, but God never said they were going to be slaves for 400 years. That doesn't say that. Okay? Which is really interesting based upon this dating. Now, let's return back to Abraham. We know that he comes to Shechem, one of his first stops when he reaches Canaan. Do we know how old Abraham was when he entered and came to Shechem, which we dealt with last week, 75, okay? And we know when he died. He was died when he was 175, so he lived 100 more years. So we got some numbers here, let's continue on. Okay, let's go back to Egypt, 1446 B.C. 1446 B.C., Moses is going to lead Israel, the Hebrews, out of Egypt, and it so happens in Exodus 7, Verses 6 through 7, we read, So Moses and Aaron did it, as the Lord commanded them, thus they did. Moses was 80 years old, and Aaron 83 when they spoke to Pharaoh. Now, when they spoke to Pharaoh, that means 
Moses is 80 in 1446 B.C. The pharaoh in 1446 B.C. of Egypt was Amenhotep II. Amenhotep II, the pharaoh, he was not the firstborn. And his son, who became pharaoh after Amenhotep II, was Thutmosis IV. Thutmosis IV was the second born of Amenhotep II because Amenhotep's firstborn son died suddenly at a young age. That's history. That's not Bible. We have a strong possibility that Amenhotep II is the pharaoh of the Exodus. <laughs> However, what's interesting is this. If Moses is 80 in 1446 BC and we add 80, again, now we're going back in time, he was born in 1526 BC. Now in 1526 BC, the pharaoh at Moses' birth was Amenhotep I. Amenhotep I is the son of Amoses I, who was the first pharaoh after the Hyksos were defeated by Amoses I and the beginning of the 18th dynasty. The 18th dynasty is so critical in terms of understanding this Bible. Because this is when everything happens on the Exodus. Amoses was the first pharaoh because he defeated the Hyksos. The Hyksos, that's a Greek name. That's a Greek word. They weren't called the Hyksos. That's just a Greek word. That's what the Greeks called them. Basically, Hyksos means those who invade from the north. That's all it means. We don't know who they are. But we do know this. They were Semites. They were relatives of the Canaanites, the Jebusites, and the Hebrews. And they come from the north. Could it be that the Canaanites and Jebusites and so on came in and they actually captured and conquered Egypt for about the upper third? Now, actually probably the upper fourth. All of Goshen down to about Memphis. So those of you that are taking your notes and so on, you can actually get a map and actually take a look at this. Now these guys come in, the Hyksos, let's call them the Hyksos, and they basically rule Egypt for almost 200 years until Amoses steals their secret weapon. He steals it and he uses it against them. Guess what? Chariots. At least that is the theory. The Hyksos bring chariots and that's why they defeated the Egyptians. The Egyptians defeat them because all of a sudden they have chariots. Amazing. Now, it says in hieroglyphics that after Amoses defeats this dire enemy of the Egyptians and reunites the two lands, the upper Egypt and lower Egypt, amazing stuff, he, he's going to unify or he's going to fortify his northern border. The northern border is not Mount Sinai, okay? Sinai is no, one, no one's land. That was never Egypt until Israel gave it to him. That's just no man's land, okay? What's the northern border? What's the northern part of Egypt in the Bible? Goshen. And who lives there? Semites. What has he got to do with the Hebrews which, who are proliferating all throughout the land? We got to put clamps on these guys. Is he the one that started the idea of holding down the Hebrews because they were Semites, they were living there for many years? Okay? This fits. This fits the story. Now, 
We remember that Jacob's age, when he came to Egypt, as I shared with you a little bit from Genesis 47, 8 through 9, he was 130 years old. He died when he was 147. And based upon what we just have, and maybe you have it in your notes, that that was in 1876 B.C. And how, again, the dating, what does this depend upon? The Assyrian calendar, which is found to be 100% accurate. Okay? Now let me just do a side here. Where the debate comes in is not the Assyrian calendar. The debate comes in in the mysterious numbers of the Hebrew kings. It's the dating from Ahab to Solomon. That is really a tough nut to crack. Thilly, Thilly did. Edwin Thilly did. Do you buy into his thesis? It's excellent, but you've got to read the whole book to go through it. It's, it's a very complicated issue. So we can see where the debate comes in. Are you with me? That's where the debate comes in. But continuing on this, if Jacob dies, um, if he is 130 in 1876 B.C., if we add 130 to 1876, we come up with 2006. So if he's born at 2006, it just so happens that his dad was Isaac. So Jacob and Esau were born in 2006 BC. How old was Isaac? After his brother came forth with his hand holding onto Esau's heel, so his name was Jacob. And Isaac was 60 years old when she gave birth to them. Isaac is 60. He's 60 in 2006 B.C. So we take 60 and we add it to 2006 and we come up with 2066 B.C. So Isaac is born in 2066 B.C. And Isaac's dad is Abraham. Now Abraham, this is Genesis 21.5. Now Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Oh, this is amazing. So therefore, if Isaac is born in two, uh, 2066, and Abraham's 100, we take 2066 and add 100, and we come up to 2166 B.C. So now we know when Abraham is born. Who cares? Because what year did he enter Israel? Age 75. So if he's born in 2166, we subtract 75, and Genesis 12 starts in the year... 2091 BC. So we have the date 2091 BC when Abram is 75 years old when he enters Canaan at Shechem. We have the other date 1446 BC when Moses is 80 and he leads the Hebrews out of Egypt on that first Passover. All because of the accuracy of the Assyrian calendar, a pagan calendar that gave us the exact dates of when Ahab was at the Battle of Karkar and the year when Ahab died and working backwards, Edwin Thilly was able to give us the date of Solomon's fourth year of his reign in 1 Kings 6.1 and then from there we came to 1446 BC and with that dating Look where we have taken it. To the birth of Abraham. To Abraham coming into Canaan at Shechem. All the way to the day when Joseph, the, we know the year Joseph, 
became second in command in Egypt. Who the pharaohs were. It's amazing stuff. And then that one verse in Exodus 12 where it says that the sons of Israel were in Egypt for 430 years. That number's just sitting there. Nobody proves it. And because of the Assyrian calendar, we took it all the way back, figured out Joseph's age, work it back to his dad Jacob, and we found out that 430 years is an exact number, all the way again back to the Assyrian calendar and Edwin Thilly's work. So, dealing with real archaeology, real evidence, and not a pattern of evidence, we see that it's very likely that Exodus, the Exodus was an event that happened in 1446 B.C. So once again, I highly urge you to become a regular visitor to the website called the Associates for Biblical Research. The website address is www.biblearchaeology.org. One word, Bible Archaeology. You're going to find so, so much there. And it's not going to be patterns. It's not going to be hints. It's going to be the real stuff. Stuff that really cuts it. Well, we'll be going into lesson number six in the Torah series on Exodus. And when we do that, we're going to be considering well, a number of things. One of them, obviously, is the burning bush, who the angel of the Lord is, etc. But we're going to see an amazing amazing connection between the verses here in Exodus 3, 1 through 10 and something that Jesus did in his ministry. Wait till you see this. Just as a hint, it has everything to do with the feeding of the 5,000 and the feeding of the 4,000. Once we understand where he did it and who he fed, and we come back to the Exodus and we come back to God's promises, we're going to see some amazing, amazing connections to the ultimate Redeemer, the Messiah, the Savior of Jew and Gentile. Because we're going to be coming back, obviously, to the first Redeemer, Moses, the Savior of Israel, used by God to deliver his people out of Egypt. Amazing connection. So until then, we'll see you then in Lesson 6, coming soon. And may indeed the Lord bless you with his shalom.